You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. How many of y'all have had dreams? Yeah, dreams. Yeah, dreams in general. Then uh, just dreams, you know, dreams you might, you know, things you might do in life, dreams of, say, having children, fostering children. Uh, not just sleepy time dreams. Right, not just sleepy time dreams. Okay, uh, dreams of what your children may do in life, uh, dreams of prosperity, better things, stuff like that. Uh, how many of y'all have pursued those dreams? Okay. Has anybody reached those dreams? Okay. This guy over here. Okay. So did we, (laughs) have have we reached them or have we given up on a bunch of them? And uh, that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit. But uh, why do we, when faced with, say, an obstacle or something, a conflict gets in our way, why do we just kind of give up on that or we quit on it? And we just... Basically, forget about that. It's not going to happen. It's it's too hard to get to. Um, So we're going to go to Genesis 37, uh, verse 5, and just kind of read a little bit about one of the dreamers from Genesis. Take you all to the Old Testament. All right, verse 5 says, Then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. They, there we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly my sheaf stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of this dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers, but his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this that you've had? He said, are your mother and brothers and I going to bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Okay. So Joseph has a dream about these sheaves of grain bowing down to his sheaf of grain and the moon and the sun and 11 stars. Joseph had 11 brothers. But uh, so Joseph's brothers get pretty mad at him, despise him a lot after he tells him about the first dream. Then he tells him about the second dream and his father rebukes him. So he's not, not having a good day after that. Okay, his brothers, if you go on, like verse 12 a little farther, his brothers were so mad that they actually sold him into slavery. Okay, they put him in a pit. Some slave traders come by. They sell him off to these Egyptian slave traders. Uh, They dip his coat of colors and blood, send it to his father. They think his father thinks he's dead. I think most of y'all probably know that story. Then we're going to go to chapter 39, just a couple pages over, verse 11.
that is wrong. I'm sorry. Verse 1 says, Now Joseph has taken, been taken to Egypt, an Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor in his master's sight and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. From the time he put him in the charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was on all that he owned in his house and in his fields. Okay, so Joseph knows God. He knows his dreams came from God. And while he probably thought he was going to stay in this pit forever, or he was just going to become an Egyptian slave, God's with him, and God basically sends him to Potiphar. Potiphar gets him in. Man, this right here, these few verses, from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house. That right there is what we talk about a lot. That's overflow. So Joseph being full was put in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar was blessed just for Joseph being there. Okay? Okay, so, but with God, uh, Joseph became successful, found favor with Potiphar. And then if you go on a little farther to read, uh, it talks about how handsome a man Joseph was and him being around Potiphar's wife. She ends up liking him, tries to get him to sleep with her, runs away, leaves a garment. Uh, so then he's convicted of adultery and he gets sent to prison. And in verse 21, we see, But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. The warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority, and he was responsible for everything that was done there. The warden didn't bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and the Lord made everything that he did successful. So again, we see overflow coming out of Joseph. Finds favor with the uh, prison warden. Okay, so God's with Joseph. He gains favor with the prison warden. And then while Joseph's in prison, there's a baker and the chief cupbearer that end up going to prison with him. And uh, they're talking about some dreams they had. And so Joseph goes over, hears, overhears them talking about it, and uh, ends up interpreting the dreams for them. Well, everything Joseph tells them comes to pass. That's exactly what happened. And uh, so this cupbearer comes back and he tells Joseph, well, I'm going to remember you and I'm going to get you out of prison. Well, him being a human, just like anyone else, forgets about it. You know, we forget about things all the time. So he forgets about it. Joseph stays in prison for two years. And I'm sure the prisons were not like our prisons are nowadays and it wasn't pretty and they didn't have all the nice things we have in our prisons nowadays. So he's there for two years. And if we flip over to Genesis 41, verse 1, two years later, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing beside the Nile when seven healthy-looking, well-fed cows came up from the Nile and began to graze among the reeds. 
After, seven, after them, seven other cows, sickly and thin, came up from the Nile and stood beside those cows along the, Nile, uh, along the bank of the Nile. The sickly, thin cows ate the healthy, well-fed cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. Then Pharaoh falls back asleep and dreamed a second time. Seven heads of grain, full and good, come up on one stalk. After them, seven heads of grain, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the good, full ones. Then Pharaoh woke up, and it was only a dream. Okay, so Pharaoh starts to have dreams. He has two dreams and gets everyone he knows to come and try to interpret these dreams. Okay, explains them. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody understands it. And then in verse 9, it says, Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I remember my faults. So, uh, he remembers that Joseph interpreted these dreams while they were in the prison. And uh, so Pharaoh calls on Joseph. Joseph comes. Pharaoh tells him these dreams he's been having. And Joseph explains to him that, that there's going to be seven years of abundance. And then there's going to be seven years of uh, famine afterwards. So they basically come up with a plan. And uh, if you look over in verse 37 says this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find anyone like this, a man who has the Spirit of God in him? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as intelligent and wise as you. You will be over my house, and all my people will obey your commands. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. So Joseph's put in charge of pretty much anything in Egypt. He's higher and greater than everybody there except for Pharaoh. And we're going to go to Genesis 42. We're just going to go to verse 6. So it's, what goes on right before this is the seven years of abundance come and they store up all this grain, they keep all this grain. And then these seven years of famine start to begin, okay? And this says, in verse 57, right above that, says the whole world came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain, for the famine was severe all over the earth. So we're not talking just people in the country. This was the entire, entire world at the time. We're all coming to Joseph to buy their grain. And then in 42.6, says Joseph was in charge of the country, he sold grain to all its people. His brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. So right there, his dream of these sheaves of grain bowing down to him came true. Okay? So God gave him this dream. And even though he shared it and his brothers got mad, this dream and him getting thrown in a pit, getting thrown in prison, all these obstacles he went to, through, he trusted God to bring him through that. And he knew that this dream was from God. And he knew that God would, would bring it to him. So he continues to pursue this dream. And this, is, this happened seven, at least nine years later is when this happened. So Joseph pursued this dream that he knew was from God at all cost. He was sold into slavery, convicted of adultery, put in prison for two years. He knew that, all this, that this dream, this promise from God would come to be. And he didn't give up on it. So why 
do we nowadays not see dreams as being from God? A lot of times we're just, well, we had this dream. Some, 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 sometimes we have weird dreams. But, uh, so, and, and uh, why do we not see these dreams as being maybe, as being supernatural in nature? That something God gives you, and whether it's, you know, it's usually for the future if you're dreaming about it, but uh, just things that God gives to you and that are, that are supernatural. Uh, <laughs> I believe that we should, be, we should be asking God to give us, to give you, our children, dreams. And uh, something they can look forward to, something they have to live for. Um, I know we all have dreams of when we're young, you know, being an astronaut, being a firefighter, things like that. Of course, that can happen if you, if you allow it. They sometimes change, but why not pursue that too? Um, so we're kind of going to switch here, and I'm just going to say we should be living every day of our life in the supernatural, looking for the supernatural. Okay, I'm going to give you all an example, and we're going to go all the way to Acts. Pretty sure this is... This is Parker's favorite chat, this favorite book of the Bible right here. <laughs> we're going to go to Acts 12. We're going to somewhat start in verse 6. Okay, so on the night before Herod was to bring him out for execution, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, Quick, get up. Then the chains fell off his wrist. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put on your sandals. And he did so. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed, and he did not know that what took place through the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. After they passed the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them by itself. They went outside, passed one street, and immediately the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all the Jewish people expected. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door in the gateway, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the gateway. You're crazy, they told her, but she kept insisting that it was true. Then they said, it's his angel. Peter, however, kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astounded. Okay, so there's a couple things in here. First, we have Peter in prison. Okay, he's bound. An angel comes to him. <laughs> the angel escorts him outside of the prison, out to a road, and Peter think, thinks he's having a dream or he's having a vision until the angel leaves. So the angel leaves, and Peter's like, Oh, this is real. This, this is happening. Okay? He didn't, you know, he didn't even realize that it wasn't 
wasn't a dream until that happened. Okay, then Peter leaves and goes to the house of Mary. Okay, in this house that Mary was in, they had what we'd call nowadays a prayer meeting. And they were all in there praying for Peter. Because Peter, Peter was in prison. And yeah, so James was just martyred before him. So they're praying for Peter that he doesn't just go through the same thing that, that James went through. Okay, and so Peter knocks on the door and Rhoda goes and answers the door. She basically turns around and tells him, Peter's here. And with their answer is, you're crazy. And they said, it's his angel. What would give them that impression that, hey, it's just an angel standing outside the door? You know, they lived every day in the supernatural. They saw angels. They saw, they saw visions. They had dreams. This was an everyday thing for them. Okay, so they, they lived in the supernatural. And so much so that they had to basically decipher it from what was real life sometimes and what was actually going on around them. And we as a church, we need to, to want that kind of life. We need a, a life where we pursue these dreams, these visions, and we want to have them, and we want to live in the supernatural every day. Uh, so we want a life full of dreams, a life full of visions, a life full of the supernatural to the point where people may think we're a little crazy. Okay, and we need to, to pray for each other and pray for each other to have these dreams, to have visions. And I'd, I don't know, I'd challenge you if you have dreams and visions to come share them. Uh, come share them with, if you have dreams and you don't know what's going on, if God gave you that dream, there's going to be someone in this church that, that's probably going to interpret that dream for you. So I'd ask that you'd come and share them with us. Um, and we need to have a longing to live a life full of the supernatural. And I'm going to finish with the story that uh, I heard a while ago that Chris Vallotton preached. It has a little bit to do with dreams. But uh, he's talking about, he had a, uh, an auto parts store. And it's just one store. They had like two computers. He buys this program so they can basically do his invoicing and do like his parts look up and stuff like that. Buys this program. Well, then within about, you know, a couple years, his industry just expanded. They got multiple stores all of a sudden. What he's worried about is, he says, I, I have this program, but it'll only work in this one store, or it'll only work on these two computers, and it won't, it's not compatible for the other ones. So he kind of tells God about it. He's asking God about it. And he says, I went to sleep one night. He said, all these numbers. He says, I'm not a computer guy. I know nothing about computers. He said, I can barely type on one. He said, but these numbers and these, this code came to me in a dream. He said, I woke up and I wrote them down. He said, I went to work the next day and found out how to get to the code. He said, I typed these numbers and stuff in. He said, all of a sudden, I have access from every one of my stores to this program. He said, they were going to charge me, I don't know, it was a crazy amount, $9,000, $10,000. God gave it to him in a dream. So it's not just, 
little things that you have to, that you can ask for. I mean, anything can come from God in a dream. And when we sit here and we, we talk to him and we ask him, and he always tells us, if we ask, we will receive. And uh, so I just challenge y'all to live every day in the supernatural and to live and to look for that and seek that in everything. And uh, I think... God's kind of told me we're going to talk a little more about this later. I just want to pray over y'all real quick and y'all can be dismissed. Dear Father, we just come to you, Lord, and just just thank you for your Holy Spirit and for your Son and for everything you do for us, Lord. And I just pray that you would give everyone in this room and everyone listening, Lord, everyone in this church, that you would give them dreams, Lord that you would give them visions, and that you would give them hope, Lord, and that they would pursue these dreams and seek you out through them, and that through these dreams they would find you, Lord, and that, that by finding you they could live in this supernatural life that, that we read about, Lord, and that miracles and things like this, Lord, would just be an everyday occurrence for us. And... Uh, Lord, I just seek that for, for every one of us. Uh, I thank you for everyone that, that's here in this church, Lord, and for everyone listening, Lord. I just thank you for them. I just, uh, Lord, help them to, to just look at every day and say, you know, where's the supernatural in today? And to seek it throughout the day, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.